Hi, everybody. Welcome to Advice for Life with Lynn, helping you hopefully have a better relationship with yourself and others. Today's issue, how to put more intimacy into your relationship. Mm, it's not bow, chicka, bow, bow. Other intimacy. Mm-hmm. So what would be the correct way? Yeah, the correct way would be, and this is the vulnerable way, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm like, you know, True. if my protection is like, I don't need anyone, I'm good by myself. It's like, you're not affectionate, so you're the problem. Um, it would be making myself vulnerable to say, I need a hug. I can really use a hug right now. I've had a hard day. You know, I could even feel it in my body. Like when I say, even just saying it, talking to you, imagining myself saying that to my husband, who I've been with for 25 years, by the way, um, that it still could be kind of a challenge. You have problems? She has answers. Getting down to the nitty gritty with people who know what they're talking about. This is Advice for Life with Lynn. We all know what physical intimacy is, of course, and that's really lovely. They say physical intimacy is a good barometer for how your overall relationship is going. You know, how's the bedroom going? How's your relationship going? But there's also emotional intimacy, which promotes emotional connection. And we have emotional intimacy with our friends, with our family. Um, We can have it with our partner or spouse. But sometimes in the hustle and bustle of life and doing things, sometimes we can lose that emotional connection or maybe it's not as deep as we would like it to be. And it slips away sometimes slowly. So from my personal experience, emotional connection really comes from being real and present with your partner. It comes from being vulnerable and it comes from really listening, which is a whole other podcast, but really listening and not interjecting, making it about you, just really being there for the other person. Um, so my husband and I have been doing this class on connection recently, and the teacher asked me to share why I was so sensitive to criticism. And I really didn't want to go into my past. I've already been there, done that, had lots of therapy, but I did the assignment. She's a new teacher <laughs> and sharing my past and, and where that came from in pain. And I cried, of course. And then it was my husband's turn. And men in general seem to have a harder time with this, right? Getting deep, getting to those feelings. But he was brave. He went along and shared something very vulnerable with me as well, which for the person who's sharing is painful and draining and just not fun. But for the person on the other end, listening, it opens up, I feel, a heart energy, I think for both. And I felt such a deep connection. It was really a beautiful moment, even though maybe it didn't feel so good for each, you know, getting to that painful part. So I want that all the time, personally, just not in class. And maybe that's what you guys want as well. So if you want that connection all the time, let's find out how to get that intimacy in our relationships. Our guest today is Dr. Lisa Orengo. She's a relationship expert, a certified emotionally focused therapist. I don't know what that is, but she's going to tell us. (laughs) Welcome, Lisa. It's so nice to have you back. Hi, Lynn. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. So what is emotional intimacy? Well, I want to go back to something you just said. Whenever you talk about physical intimacy, it's important to note that uh, emotional intimacy is the doorway to physical intimacy. So it's something that's really important if you really want to have that kind of strong bond and connection with your partner. It's something that, um, that you really want to work on. So essentially, emotional intimacy is that felt sense of connection that you have with your partner. It's a sense of... Um, being fully seen, fully known, fully accepted, and fully loved. I look at it as like kind of being uh, emotionally naked. 
if you will, like in that space, but together. So, uh, you know, all your shortcomings, everything that you may feel self-conscious about yourself and your partner is there accepting all that, seeing all that, and you as well. Um, and I look at it as like, you know, in general, we come into a relationship as two whole people. And I look at it as like two, like a Venn diagram. So there's like this overlapping space that is what I call your relational space. So where you freely come and go into that space um, and your ability to do that without your protections and your defenses is really that sense of intimacy. So what you were saying earlier Are you saying that emotional intimacy leads to physical intimacy? It's not the other way around. That's correct. So if you want good sex, you're going to connect emotionally first. Yes, yes. That's if you want it on a really deep level. Right. Not just porn, for example. You know what I mean? You want a a really, really good connection. Yes, yes. And that sometimes gets in the way of long-term relationships. Whenever there are issues in a relationship with physical intimacy, a lot of times um, both men and women will express that they don't feel close to their partner and they don't feel connected and therefore just kind of lose interest, desire, and attraction for their partner. Mm. Yes, I can understand that. Yeah. So how do we, I know you have Let's go over your five steps. Mm-hmm. You, you said to me earlier before we started recording, you have five steps to, I was going to say, how do we avoid it? But really, how do we, to put it positively, what are the five steps to emotional connection? Yeah, intimacy? so I look at it as a roadmap. So first uh, is awareness, and I'll come back to each of these. Mm-hmm. So first is awareness. Um, then there's risk, because uh, relationships are always a risk. Love is always a risk. You can only control your side of the street and you have to just trust the other person's going to do their part and be there. So, so it's awareness, risk, and then reach. Um, and that's a vulnerable reach. And I'll get into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, trust. And then all of this leads to intimacy. Okay, let's start with awareness. What are we aware about? So awareness is uh, self-awareness and also Mm -hmm. awareness of your partner. And what we really want to do is kind of clear the lenses through which we look at ourselves and the lenses through which we look at our partner. So there's something called attachment style. um, And for those of you who aren't familiar with that, I'm just going to give like a attachment styles 101 is essentially um, in childhood, we develop these models, sort of templates for how we see ourselves in the context of other people, our lovability, our worthiness to get our needs met, um, how we express our emotions. Um, and then we also have this idea and really core beliefs about relationships and other people. Are they reliable? Will they be there for me? Can I depend on another person? Um, and if all goes well in childhood, as well as possible, we call it having good enough parenting. You come out with kind of a, what we call a secure attachment style. And um, research shows that about half of the population has a secure attachment style. And the rest of us Yikes. <laughs> come out with the insecure attachment style. But the good news is that can be changed. Um, so an insecure attachment style would be, I'm not... A, a feeling, maybe not consciously, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, see, mm-hmm. nobody is there for me, that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, and it's beyond a feeling. It's actually like really core beliefs about how you see yourself. And um, essentially, it's it's what you think about yourself, but it's also how you feel. And it and it 
um, sort of governs the way that you show up in your relationship, how you, the strategies you use essentially to get your needs met and express your vulnerable emotions. So for um, the insecure, on the insecure side, there's, there's uh, anxious attachment style and um, with anxious and avoidant. Atta- uh, the anxious attachment style is when you have a negative model of yourself, um, but not so much of other people. So you kind of will not see yourself as lovable or worthy of love. So you look through that lens um, at your partner and kind of use strategies to cover up who you are and how you are um, and don't expect others to be there for you. So it really Because there's a belief that you're not good enough, so exactly. you don't show who you really are. Yeah, and it creates a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. People with um, anxious attachment style tend to be preoccupied with their relationship. Um, they tend to need lots and lots of reassurance. They worry a lot. They, they pursue for closeness quite a bit. And they generally end up with someone who has an avoidant attachment style. Hmm. Um, and these are really on a continuum. But um, people with avoidant attachment style also, you know, we all are hardwired for attachment and connection and relationships. But people with avoidant attachment style tend to what we call deactivate their attachment system, which is essentially a part of our nervous system, um, so that they don't feel the need for connection in such a strong way. They... Uh, feel more of a need for space in their relationship. That's a terrible combination of a couple. Can so you're you saying yeah. an anxious person who needs constant reassurance is hooked up with somebody who is doesn't in, want to be in touch with his, his or her feelings and is a, an avoider. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like a disaster. It is. And it can lead to, you know, an anxious avoidant kind of loop, a trap where there's like this constant... Uh, Chasing. Kind of, yeah, feedback loop yeah. Of, of pursue and withdraw. So... Just to not get too far. I'm sorry, you're going to ask. No, I'm just, I know we're getting deep, but why would those two people be attracted to each other? Well, it's interesting because initially what happens is the person with the avoidant attachment style tends to be the one to uh, pursue initially in their Mm. relationship. So they can hook somebody in. um, And then when things start to get a little too close, they start to pull away. So they kind of hook in the person with the anxious attachment style. And then as they, the pursuer starts to pursue, the withdrawer avoidant attachment style person starts to pull back a little bit. And then that really activates both of their attachment styles. And then they get caught up in that loop. So in a watered down version, we just repeat our childhood unless we are aware. Yeah, absolutely. So that going into, you know, and this is all under that first step of awareness. Mm. So really understanding what attachment styles are and that um, what our specific attachment styles are and what our partners are. And also understanding that, uh, going back to what I just said a moment ago, that we're hardwired for connection. So we all have needs to be um, attached with another person and there's nothing wrong with that. So that's another thing that happens is like having an awareness or that needs to happen is that you have an awareness of your needs and an acceptance of what your needs are. Um, again, coming out of childhood, if you didn't have uh, an upbringing where, for one reason or another, your needs weren't primary uh, in the family system and you had to maybe figure out a way to get your own needs met, become self-sufficient, or um, your parents, for better or for worse, they missed signals or cues of what you needed. So you told yourself a story about right. your needs, you know, like, I shouldn't have them, there's something wrong with me, 
and emotions, you know, how we learn about feelings and expression of those in our early uh, upbringing environments are really important because, you know, that's where we can have ideas of my feelings are too much or it's not safe to express uh, emotions or uh, we, we uh, privilege logic over emotions if that wasn't acceptable to talk about or express in your family. So... And we it's repeat an, these stories in yeah. adulthood if we're not aware. Yeah. So you just went, we're still under the st- first step awareness. So mm-hmm. you have, be aware of your attachment styles. You said either the, on the, I want to say negative, on the not ideal side of attachment style would be mm-hmm. anxious, as mm-hmm. you just said, also avoidant. Mm-hmm. Um, what are briefly the others? Tell me the good ones. Well, the good one is secure. Okay. Yeah. So what a secure attachment style looks like is that you have um, a positive view of yourself, uh, that you're lovable, you have high self-worth, and then you also uh, expect for others to be there for you. You're okay that you have needs. Um, You know how to, without your protections or your defenses or strategies um, that end up getting you the opposite of what you want, you are able to, because you have confidence, ask clearly for what you need from your partner and expect that that's going to happen. And when it doesn't, um, you're able to talk about it. I feel like I'm a combination of attachment styles. Is there one like dominating? Like you look at yourself like, okay, this is my main attachment style. Well, there is one that's, um, that is a combination. So you can kind of be a combination of the anxious avoidant and you can think about these on a continuum Mm -hmm. and you could also find yourself showing up in different relationships using a different attachment styles. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So are those the only attachment styles? Those are the only attachments. Okay, those three, secure and anxious and avoidant. Okay, so be aware of your and your partner's style. Mm -hmm. Yes. You might even say how you love or how you expect to be loved Mm -hmm. from your past. Yes. Bringing it into the present. Okay, so what's the the second one you said was risk. Mm -hmm. What does risk do? Yeah, so risk is, I want you to think of that as a decision that you make, right? So... Let's say you're in a relationship with somebody that you've been with for a long time, or this also applies if you're going into a new relationship. So if you really have good self-awareness and you also have some awareness of the person that's with you, or if you've been in a long-term relationship, you are aware of who's with who you're with, right? So you're looking through that with a clear lens and you have decided, you've made a decision that this person is worth taking a risk for. And so the risk is really the the decision that I'm going to go into the next step, which is reaching. Um, And this is a vulnerable reach. So reaching is when you do what we call a bid for connection. Mm -hmm. And a bid for connection is really anything that we do to, um, to reach out to our partner. And it's when we have some sort of need, some sort of need for connection, comfort, support, um, it can be a text. It, yeah, can, it can be, be anything. It could be anything. And there, there are three ways that your partner can respond to a reach, which is very important to those bids for connection. And one is to turn away. Um, and that would be essentially just ignoring. So if we use the, the example that you gave, which was a text message. So if your partner reaches out to you and they text you and you don't answer it, that would be a turning away. And that would feel like rejection, right? So, but there's a time limit. Sometimes you're at work, right? Well, you again, didn't text me right back. 
Yes. But within a reasonable, whatever that is to you. A reasonable time. amount of time. Right. Absolutely. And remember, if you have an anxious attachment style, there is no such thing as reasonable amount. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? But we're, we're hoping that, you know, you're working through self-awareness, mm-hmm. you know who your partner is, and if you do tend to get anxious, that you can be aware of the story you're telling yourself, recall who your partner is, and and kind of self-soothe and be more patient as you're waiting for them to, to text you back. I'd like to jump in and maybe you guys can relate who's listening. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because <laughs> I'm pretty attentive. Mm-hmm. And I think I expect that from others to you know, within reason. But I've learned one of, you know, we all have quirks, right? And I've learned one of my husband's quirks or whatever, idiosyncrasies, whatever you want to call it, is um, sometimes he gets so wrapped up in his what he wants to tell me via text, Mm -hmm. he won't see that I sent him a text two hours ago Mm -hmm. and he won't respond to it. It happens like, I don't know, 15% of the time. So in the beginning, I was like, what the hell, man? Mm -hmm. That's so bizarre. Did did you like, you know, you need glasses or like, (laughs) and I've learned like, okay, just let it go. You know, I'll Mm -hmm. say, did you see that? Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot to respond. So I think it's also important to know each other. And like, not everything is going to be to your liking. Exactly. You have to let some stuff go. Right. But that goes back to what we were saying earlier, that awareness and aware of what, like, this may be a trigger for you, you know, that needing that, that response from somebody. And that could come from your upbringing. It could also come from previous relationships or the current relationship Mm -hmm. you're in. If you've had struggles where your partner wasn't attentive, you know, or have been in those relationships before. So that could really trigger you. So, Again, stepping back and knowing what you just said, like, oh, this is just how he is. It's not personal. What's the story I'm telling myself? Oh, he doesn't want to talk to me. Uh, I don't matter. Or is it, you know, he's what you just said, all those things about the actual reason why he's not texting you back in the timely manner or maybe not at all. Right. Um, and then you can, you can deal with it in a much different way. But if you don't have that awareness, you can see how that would take you down a really um, negative path with your partner and could really sabotage the relationship. So again, with that reach, one of the things that's really important is that you send very, very clear signals as the, as the sender. And then the person that's on the other side of that, um, can actually know what you're asking for. So, you know, if you have that is a sensitivity. You can let your partner know, hey, it's really important that you text me back right away because it's, I start to get anxious and I really need that from you. Also, and, and, and this is part of what we talked about before we started recording, um, there's a method out there called Gottman therapy mm-hmm. style method, whatever you want to call it. But one of the things they talk about in that, um, in, in which you're talking about the reach, mm-hmm. can also be what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Like when somebody's, your partner's speaking to you, I notice I do this, so here's a role reversal. Sometimes my husband will be saying something that I might judge as ridiculous <laughs> or that I don't want to get involved with. Let's say it's politics, mm-hmm. great example. I won't do that. Mm-hmm. I hear where you're I won't validate it all. I totally ignore as if he's not talking, which is beyond, that's not kind, it's rude, uh-huh. and it's not, so he's reaching, even mm-hmm. though I don't agree with it, Right. we still, don't, isn't that part of intimacy? You want to respond in some fashion right. instead of ignore. Right. Well, in that case, you don't, you don't have to support your husband's politics, but you do have to support your husband, right? right? So even if they're talking about something that you're not interested in, 
your interest is in your partner. Correct. Right? So so that's an example of turning toward, which is what we want to do. The not responding, um, if they're talking to you or if they text you, is the turning away. And then the turning toward is what you mentioned. You're responding, um, you're reciprocating. Even a, mm-hmm, is Absolutely, a, yeah. It's I see you. Because I think it's easy to reach when everything's great mm-hmm. you know you're you're looking at something sexy or you're looking at property to buy or you know fun stuff you know mm-hmm. the kids did really well or wasn't that f- a great sh- whatever right but responding when it's not so fun for you when your partner's reaching out yes acknowledge yes yeah yeah and then you want to be sure that you don't do the third response which is turning against okay um and and turning against is when they you know if let's say you're going to you talk to them about from across the room a story, something that happened at work, and they're like, "Can you be quiet? I'm watching the game." And oh yeah, like that, right. So it's not the ignoring, which really hurts and feels like rejection, but the turning against can really, really hurt also, and can actually start to build up resentment in your relationship. One well, and and we'll get to number four in a second. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I love, I was telling Lisa before she. We started recording on her Instagram. She gives these little videos. I think of you and your husband is very cute. Mm-hmm. And then little tips. And I think recently you talked about listening. Mm-hmm. Um, something, I'm paraphrasing, something like, you know, listen and don't make it about you, I think yeah. you said. <laughs> and I think that's a form of intimacy, correct? Absolutely. I mean, is it, where does that fall in here? Is that around the reach, number three? Well, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. you want to keep the, you want to be a really good listener, you know, that's part of reaching and responding to your partner. Um, and it's something that's hard to do sometimes, especially when your partner is talking to you about something that they're upset about that you did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, because the first thing we want to do is defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we make it about ourselves, right? And it's like, oh, but I didn't mean to. And, you know, I always talk about the difference between intention and impact. It's like the hurt partner is saying, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, and then your partner who hurt you is saying, but I didn't mean to. Invalidating. Right? right. And it's like, okay, th- there's a time for that, but it's, you know, first we have to attend to to the hurt place, you know, and say, oh, wow, look, let me let me take a look at that. What do you need? Right. What can I do? Is there any truth in there? Yeah. I actually don't think, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, when you're having a little, somebody's having hurt feelings, yes, it might be difficult in the reach department, mm-hmm. but I, in listening department, rather. But I also think it's, at least for me, sometimes it's difficult when I feel like I have something really great to add. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, you don't, Lynn. You That's just need right. to listen. Right. Like, yeah. And if you already know ahead of time, I mean, really, it's important to have like agreements in your relationship. And communication is really the vehicle for all of this, really. But how do we talk about hard things? How do we manage conflict? How do we come to each other when one of us has been hurt? You know, and there's lots of tips and tools around that. It's like, well, one of those is that you don't, you don't um, come out of nowhere and catch your partner off guard to tell them something that you've been storing up for the last week or two weeks or a month about something you're upset about. You know what I've been thinking about? Exactly. You want a soft start exactly. or whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to let them know, hey, uh, I want to talk to you about something and can we talk, when would be a good time for you? So you don't have that urgency. It's like you know, whatever's good for you and we're both calm and right. we, we come together. So really important. Number four is trust. Yeah. I want to say a few more things about reach. That's really okay. important. So reaching is not only 
in those bids for connection and what you do. It's how you do it because this is where vulnerability is so important if you want to build trust. Um, so a, a vulnerable risk is much different. I mean, I'm sorry, a vulnerable reach is much different and it can be subtle from a not so vulnerable reach where you have your protection on. So an example of this I can use in my own relationship is I'll say to my husband, for example, um, you haven't been that affectionate lately, mm. right? Instead of saying, so that's me needing some, I need a hug yeah, or, yeah, you yeah. know, but what he hears and what he responds is, what do you mean? I haven't been that affectionate lately. I gave you a hug this morning or, mm. you know, cause he feels attacked. Um, that's so that's a very common thing to mm-hmm. say to a, a woman says to a man mm-hmm. instead of making it about her mm-hmm. so what would be the correct way yeah the correct way would be and this is the vulnerable way right mm-hmm. because if i'm like you know true if my protection is like i don't need anyone i'm good by myself it's like you're not affectionate so you're the problem um it would be making myself vulnerable to say i need a hug i can really use a hug right now i've had a hard day you know, I could even feel it in my body, like when I say, even just saying it, talking to you, imagining myself saying that to my husband, who I've been with for 25 years, by the way, um, that it still can be kind of a challenge because I have to switch it off. Like I right. take off my protection, which is really what vulnerability is all about. And then going back to self-awareness, I know the ways that I defend myself and protect myself. I know how I function when I'm in protection mode, which you cannot have protection and connection at the same time. Absolutely. I've said that to my husband. He makes me laugh because I'll say, I need a hug. It's like, I just hugged you like an hour ago. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So I'm challenged. I'm being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling a little rejected, maybe, Mm -hmm. even though I know he's feeling something trigger of his own past. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just follow up with, instead of you need therapy, I'll follow up (laughs) with, well, I could use another one. Mm. Well, you know, Lynn, I'm going to say, I, I don't know how you say it, but the way we say things, because 93% of our communication is nonverbal, right? So what kind of signals? Yeah, this is where clearing up the signals is so important. And that goes back to awareness and like sending really, really clear signals and knowing um, how to reach and respond is like, is he hearing some criticism in that? You know, and I'm not saying that he is, maybe it's on him the way he receives it, but it sounds like that could be received as like you're not doing a good enough job yeah, you're not could giving, be you're not yeah. giving out enough hugs yeah. and he's like right run hug ever, number nine right is it ever enough <laughs> for you deficit like, yeah. <laughs> yeah could be tone yeah for sure yeah i'll watch myself from now on yeah and i i it could be tone because i'm new at the vulnerability thing mm-hmm. i have been that woman who has said you haven't blah 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 mm-hmm. so i'm really trying to do things differently and being more aware. But yeah, there definitely could be a tone. Could be mm-hmm. both. He's very sensitive to criticism as I am too. So mm-hmm. could be both. Right. Okay, good. Or body language. You yeah. know, like if you're like with your arms folded, I could really use a hug. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. so important. The way I said we the words. Things. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And you know what if, I mean, we all know what that feels like to be vulnerable and uh, nobody likes it. And it's not a place that we, we don't want to live in a vulnerable place, you know, but it's being flexible. Take off your protection, put on your protection, take it off, put it on. But feel to feel vulnerable, we know what that feels like, right? It's like soft, it's open. Um, but don't you feel sometimes when you're vulnerable in life in general? I kind of feel maybe, I feel soft, yes, scared, mm-hmm. but also a little empowered. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's like when you speak your truth, 
It's like, yeah, you know, I've got, I've got cellulite on my ass. Okay. Yeah. And now that I've spoken it or now that I've shown you, not mm-hmm. to show everybody, but not, you know, I feel less um, shameful, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It could be very liberating. Yes. Right. But that also goes back to awareness and having really high self-worth, right? Where right. you don't feel um, like that you feel okay about that and that right. you've already accepted that and know that that's just part of being a woman. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, fat deposits. Okay, so we yes. have awareness, mm-hmm. risk, mm-hmm. reach, and the fourth is... Okay, and then one more thing oh, yeah. before we go. We're still reaching. From that, yes. Well, just an important like thing to keep in mind is that as we you know do those bids for connection and we reach and respond, it doesn't have to be perfect. So, and there's research right. around this. There's actual like data to support, like if we want to move into where we end up in this roadmap, which is intimacy, which is another way of saying secure attachment and connection, we only have to get it right with our partners 70% of the time. So if I've we- I've read that. Is yeah. that the five to one ratio or something? Well, it's kind of, that's more about the positivity in oh, your okay. relationship. So this is about missing those bids or maybe... All right, missing a text message. Right. It's okay. You don't have to exactly. be perfect. And the key really is about, um, is the repair, you know, mm-hmm. on those 30% coming back and being able to talk about it as a couple. So again, the communication is just really, really key. Repair. God, that's a whole nother podcast, but we can talk about that now. So I'm learning about repair. Mm-hmm. Um, repair in the 30% when you don't get it right is how to fix. It's not necessarily even just an argument. It maybe it's a hurt feeling or Mm -hmm. something where somebody doesn't feel their need or need is met. Well, what I think of when I think of repair is that you feel connected again. Okay. You know, relationships go through cycles of disconnection, reconnection, disconnection, reconnection. So if you don't, is that okay? Absolutely. It's actually what strengthens relationships because the ability to repair gives you confidence in your relationship. We can talk about hard things. Uh, We can get through hard moments. You know, I often tell my clients, I'm like, when you get through this, give yourself like high five, you know, like we could talk about hard stuff. Yes. You know, we can go through hard stuff. We can go through hard stuff. And still be together and love each other. Yes. And that's the important. You don't want to sweep it under the rug. And then next thing you know, you're tripping over it all the time. So it's, yeah. So it's about that just felt sense of being connected, which is really at the, at the root of conflict is uh, when you feel disconnected from your partner and you want that reconnection. You're really just fighting for the reconnection, um, which is which is why when you're fighting about a thing, it turns into a fight about the relationship. Which, yes. Yeah, we've all had that fight. We're talking about, we're fighting about something and then we forget what we were fighting about and it's like... You always, you never. Right, and now we're talking about, yes, us as a couple and then we do our thing you raise the volume, I shut down, I turn away, you go away, we don't talk for three days, you know, that's our, our conflict cycle, which, you know, I think I think I talked about that in the last podcast mm-hmm. we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you talking about personally, who you guys go through? Is that what you're saying? Or in, in general? In general, we yeah. all have these uh, conflict cycles that we true, go true. through. It's like the same Repetitive. Fight. Yeah, over and over again. What do they again. call that? A uh, Whatever. Repetitive argument. Yeah, unsolvable. Yeah, in EFT, emotionally focused therapy that I'm uh, certified in, we we talk about it as the negative conflict cycle. Uh, we look at it as the dance that we get into with our partner that has a very predictable kind right. of pattern of how we each move in conflict, and um, that leads nowhere. 
at least so that needs to change obviously yes 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 yeah and that's part of awareness too but that's kind of a different um talk i guess (laughs) so let's talk about trust yeah so you have to have trust to have intimacy well these things that we've talked about so far are what lead to the trust i want you to think about like the the risk that decision that we make to move forward and and reach for our partner in a vulnerable way to decide that we have something that we want to share with them regarding our vulnerable feelings or our vulnerable needs we decided that in the risk then we do the reach right and then if it goes well our partner responds to us and we get our need met or our feelings are met with comfort, um, then that builds trust. So each time. So it's like those are the three kind of chords, you know, the, the risk, the reach, and the trust. And you do that over and over and over again. And that is what the kind of the chords that, that strengthen the relationship and the intimacy. So what would be an example of not having trust? Well, when you when you don't get these uh, bids for connection met, met, or you don't feel that your partner that your feelings matter to your partner, you've been rejected. You fear abandonment by your partner, and I'm not even talking about like fidelity mm-hmm. if they're being, emotionally abandoned. Right, right, right. So there's you know a, a whole other like you know way that you can think about trust if you're being faithful to your partner. You're not doing something like that you're you know you're being honest and truthful about how you conduct yourself in your in your life um but this is about the intimacy part like i i can share my feelings with you the mistrust would be like i don't let you in my inner world because i don't know what you'll do with it use it against me throw me under the bus right tell somebody or you'll turn away from me or reject me right the ultimate is like an attachment relationships and attachment bonds is the fear of rejection and abandonment right well that's why most of us aren't or choose not to be vulnerable because absolutely somebody will see who i really am and then i won't be loved that's right and so we we want to develop this trust and we want to do it slowly Mm -hmm. right so you don't want to just like i use the the idea of like being emotionally naked you don't want to just like rip off all your clothes and jump into the deep end of the pool the first you know Mm -hmm. the first go around Mm -hmm. You, you kind of build the trust slowly as you get to know each other. Um, and again, thinking about that overlapping kind of relational space, you're, you're, you're letting your partner into your world. You're trusting them with your thoughts and with your feelings. And that may seem kind of sound kind of simple, but it's absolutely not mm-hmm. easy. I have so many couples where they just don't share how anything about their inner world, about what they feel about what they think. Don't you think that could also be from them not being comfortable with themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. And not learning, again, going back to the awareness and their upbringing and their experience in relationships, not learning that feelings are okay, not learning that their needs matter, not learning, and this is a big one, that it's even okay to rely on another person. Mm. You know, and especially I think in our culture, it's like being independent and this whole whole idea of like dependence is bad and like this codependent thing that we all hear about, like, oh, I have to be independent. I can't need anybody. I have to rely on myself. So really being able to understand what effective dependency is and to feel okay about that and accept your humanness, our human nature, that we are hardwired for connection. We have these needs uh, for connection and attachment that are biological in the same way that we have thirst. 
we thirst for water, you know, we get hungry. Like this need to connect with another is something that we're born with. You can see it if you're a mom, a baby. You don't teach them to reach out for you, to come close to you. That's so true. And I, I, I think that's true. I guess it's true for men and women, you know, um, especially in our culture. We need to remember, like what you just said, I'm just reiterating it. We can be especially independent women Mm-hmm. and be dependent like i know i don't i tell my husband this sometimes and he's like that's so not romantic i'm like i chose you mm-hmm. i don't i didn't necessarily need like thirst like you're just but i i do need a connection i guess i needed to follow up with that mm-hmm. but we choose it's okay to be to have that dependency but not be it's not a negative no, it's not. And that's hard. So it, that's hard to accept of our of ourselves, especially we get all these messages and don't really understand what that means. And in fact, when you have what we call effective dependency, and that comes from the attachment theory literature, um, and attachment theory is really, you know, the science of relationship. There are, there are tons of studies in neuroscience and neurobiology to support everything that I'm saying about attachment. So it's not just like a theory about love. It really looks at our brains and our nervous systems that are all involved, you know, in all of this. So um, understanding that is really important to know that, hey, I have these needs and it's okay. And effective dependency actually leads to autonomy. Mm, you can effective see effective dependency. Mm-hmm. Never heard it worded that way. Yeah. It's another way of saying is interdependence. So you you're you have a dependency on another person mm-hmm. and and it really again leads to more autonomy as individuals. And I'll explain that a little bit further. So if I know that I can depend on you, right, then I have we call that like having a safe haven mm-hmm. and a secure base. So I know that I can, I don't have to worry about you being there for me, right? So I can go out and explore the world, my interests, my career, what I want to do, my friendships, all of that, because I'm not preoccupied with my relationship, which is a primary need, right? If I was hungry, I mean, have you ever been really, really hungry? It's like you can't think of anything until you eat. You get hangry. You're like, I got to eat the things that you didn't plan on eating now look good to you and it's like i'm eating right so the same is with this like if you don't have that need met you're constantly looking for it and you're seeking it and Uh, you're worried about it and you're preoccupied with it so if i know secure attachment equals Mm -hmm. peace yeah yeah it's that secure base and it's also the other part of that is i know i can go out and take risks in the world with my career with uh you know maybe i want to go skydiving whatever (laughs) whatever it is because i also have the other part of that which is a safe haven a place to run to a person to run to when things get scary when i get hurt when i need comfort when i need soothing I have both the secure base to go out and explore the world, and I have the safe haven to come home to when I need comfort, when I need love. That's beautiful. Yeah. So to reiterate, uh, the five steps, did you call them roadmaps to emotional intimacy, Mm -hmm. awareness of attachment style, Mm -hmm. um, risk, reach, be aware of your partner's bid for affection mm-hmm. or attention, uh, four, trust, and then five would be you've reached intimacy. You've reached intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and this is really just what we were talking about. Like ultimately that uh, sense of just being fully seen, fully accepted, fully known, and fully loved in that place. And I like to think of it as, uh, as a hammock 
that you can lay into and put all of your weight into and not have to worry about the ropes breaking. Mm, the hammock of intimacy. Yeah. And that's built, like if you think about the hammock that's kind of like woven together with those cords and like with thick ropes, mm-hmm. you can think about those cords as what we talked about, the risk, the reach, the trust, right? When the hammock is just building, like if it was made out of threads, you probably wouldn't sink all your weight into it. It wouldn't be wise because you haven't built up enough trust and intimacy in your relationship yet. But then over time, it goes from the threads and maybe to strings and maybe to ropes and then really strong ropes. And then it's all woven together. And it's like, okay, now I can put my full weight into this. and Be my true self and relax. Yeah. And know I'm loved. Yeah. And go out and explore the world. And explore the world. Yeah. What is in a... In a sentence, what is your best advice for life in how to have deep emotional intimacy? You're sitting at a bus bench and somebody's like, what's the secret to emotional intimacy? It would be what? The ability to share your vulnerable feelings and your vulnerable needs with somebody who is worthy of your trust. Ding, ding, ding. Wonderful. And I really love that you touched on awareness Mm. because... um, that's key to really understanding yourself and your partner mm-hmm. and also for everybody listening and me as well. I like what you said, Dr. Rango about getting it right. Only 70% of the time is mm-hmm. needed. That's pretty good. Yeah. I thank think God can, for all of us really. Right. Cause I, I don't know anybody who's at a hundred or maybe not even 90, yeah. <laughs> but that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about tools on how to get these five steps. Yeah. I just wanted to offer a few tools um, for awareness, for the reach and risk, and also for intimacy, like things you can do to pour into it, right? So the first and the awareness tools is you can take an attachment style quiz. This is something that there's tons of them online, but the one I like most is there's a book by Amir Levine called Attached. And in his book, it's an amazing read. And um, there's also a quiz in there that helps you to understand your attachment style. He helps you go through understanding your partner's attachment style. And it really sheds light on that as well. Um, There's also something that, and you were talking about Gottman earlier. Um, Gottman has some tools online that you can look for. And one is called Love Maps. Mm -hmm. So Love Maps is creating this inner map of your partner's world and it's some card it's a it's card decks that you can go through and like ask your partner questions and then they ask you questions so you're really getting to know each other and I like, really like that. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. It's like it's it's, it's good fun. date night. Yeah. Yeah, it's not so deep. Right. <laughs> like, so maybe some mm-hmm. of this other stuff helping to build awareness and really know each other. Um and then for the risk reach uh, some tools I wanted to offer is that you can do sort of a needs assessment for yourself, um, asking, really thinking for yourself, what are my needs in this relationship? And there are specific needs that we all have. And being able to communicate those to each other. And I, I say, don't be a need reader. We sometimes expect our partners to know what we need and that they should read that. And we also sometimes think that we know what they need and we just do the things that we think they are going to make them happy. Right. So being able to talk about that. And then this is a vulnerable step, getting feedback. Hey, how am I doing on that need you mentioned last week? <laughs> How's that going? How am I doing? Right. So asking for that. Feedback. Beautiful. 
Yes. And then for the last one, the intimacy tools, I talk about having relationship routines. I think about it as we have routines for everything, right? Our skincare, our exercise, maybe our nutrition. But what are the routines that we have for our relationship? Key. And that we continue to do that on a daily basis, um, small things often, um, the way that we say goodbye, the way that we say hello, how do we stay connected throughout the day, what do we like to do on the weekends, what are our rituals for connection. So really being intentional about that. So to go over your tools, number one, you like that book, Attached. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is all just to create awareness and get to know each other better. Even if you've been married a long time, you can still not really know your partner or hundred percent. Right. Yeah. We all know those people. Uh, number two, you like, uh, Gottman's love maps, these cards, which I'm going to order as soon as we're done talking. Mm-hmm. I love that. Cause my husband and I are doing that too. And it's, you really think you know your partner, but you really don't. And mm-hmm. it's not your fault. It's not the other person's fault. It's just, you know, maybe you guys didn't have the tools. Mm-hmm. Number three, don't be a need reader. Talk about what you need, express it fully expect you know it would be nice to have feedback you know Mm -hmm. how am i doing in meeting your needs you say you're a hugger am i hugging you enough (laughs) you know and number five uh create relationship routine which i think is so beautiful i didn't have this in my last marriage we my husband's a firefighter and we have this routine it just happened he comes home from work after shift 24 hours or 48 hours and uh i set my alarm I set my alarm. I put my dutiful wife duties on. I make him breakfast. And we, and on, I hate breakfast. But we, I make breakfast when he comes mm-hmm. home. I take his laundry. I put it away. He sits down. He complains for 20 minutes. I listen. Mm-hmm. And we eat together. And that's our time together. Yeah. It's really special. Yeah. And I miss it when we don't have it. Mm-hmm. So that could be anything you were just talking about. Yeah, um, absolutely. Anything. Could be 20 minutes, but some routine. The way you say hello, goodbye, kissing, not kissing, whatever. Yeah. Texting. So routines. Yeah. Um, I just want to go over that just really, really quick because I feel like we covered a lot. So maybe some of you are running or in the car. So again, Dr. Rango's um, five steps to five steps really to intimacy awareness risk reach trust intimacy then she just talked about how to really get to know your partner attachment style that book attached love maps by Gottman, which is i guess a deck of cards uh express your needs give each other feedback on that and then the relationship routine Mm -hmm. all that builds intimacy and good sex oh yeah (laughs) that's the doorway that's the doorway yeah Thank you so much. If you want to get a hold of Dr. Arango, you can find her on Instagram at Dr. Lisa Arango, A-R-A-N-G-O. Any other way people can reach out to you? Yeah, they can look. Uh, go to my website, which is drarango.com, so they could find me there as well. And you deal mainly with couples? I deal with, I work with couples, I work with individuals, anything regarding relationships. I do coaching, um, I do therapy, and I'm also developing a coaching program for women that's going to launch uh, in the beginning part of 2023, which is going to be called The New Language of Love, teaching women and really anybody how to communicate in a clear and effective manner to get your message across a lot of what we were talking about today. You must be a great wife. (laughs) <laughs> your husband i'm telling you you're the relationship coach oh my goodness it's just so much pressure <laughs> but that's good because the things that you mess up on you can learn and then yeah. share with everybody else exactly I mean, that's what i try to do right it's just a, it's just yeah our marriage is a lab <laughs> there you go i love that and i'm sure he knows that too thank uh, you Dr. No idea. <laughs> thank you all right everybody thanks for listening we'll see you on the next advice for life with lynn
A reminder to everybody, submit your questions on AdviceForLifeWithLynn.com. And while you're there, sign up for my free email. You'll be the first to get my weekly blog on how to live consciously and peacefully. You'll also get access to my free happiness guide when you sign up. Also, I'm looking for guests with different ways that they can help the Advice for Life with Lynn followers. So reach out. Maybe if you think you've got something to say and you want to be on the podcast. Lastly, please subscribe and rate my podcast on iTunes. I really care about what you think. So tell me how I'm doing. I want your thoughts. The links are in the show notes and also on the website. I want to help as many people as I can with this podcast. So your shares, your subscribes and reviews help us gain visibility in the iTunes store and they help us reach more people. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, there is nothing we can't talk about.